Thank you for traveling with Amex Platinum. To your right, you'll see Oceanside Relaxation at a fine hotel and resort property. When booked through Amex Travel, you can enjoy complimentary breakfast for 2 and 4 p.m. late checkout. That's the powerful backing of American Express. Terms apply. Learn more at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. At Bed 365 we don't do ordinary. We believe that every sport should be epic. Every home run, every hit, every inning, every play. From the moments that are legendary to the ones that fly under the radar. Whether it's a walk-off grand slam or a base hit to center field. Whatever the sport, whatever the moment, it's never ordinary at Pet365. 21 plus only must be present in Ohio. If you or someone you know has a gambling problem and wants help, call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow The Global Story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Xfinity has free premium networks for everyone this month, no matter what kind of entertainment you love. Addicted to true crime? Catch killer cases and more spine-tingling shows on A&E Crime Central. Crave adventure? Explore Asian action movies on Hayah. Searching for something extreme? Check out skating, snowboarding, and more on Fuel TV Plus, the global home of action sports. And find crowd-pleasing bops on iHeartRadio's Hit Nation playlist. There's new free shows and movies to love every week. Say free this week in your Xfinity voice remote. The 2021 MLB season is here, and although the seats may not be full, your bankroll has the chance to be. Greg Hoops Peterson has you covered for every game, every day this season, along with comprehensive analysis and angles for getting to the window while celebrating the walk-off winners and blown saves of what will be a wild season. Now it is time for the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson. A warm and friendly hello. Welcome to Love Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. We've got a great podcast for you guys. Our good buddy, Jason Radowitz. He does great work with Sportsbook Review every Monday through Friday. He hosts a baseball show for them. We're going to be talking with him in the second segment, just mainly about the games that we're going to be seeing coming up on Wednesday. We're going to be talking to him a little bit about gauging home and road splits, righty-lefty splits as well. I do think that that's something very important to bring up, but talking mostly about the games that we have going down on Wednesday. And then in the final segment, going to give you guys a side total on every game on the betting board for this Wednesday and a little something I like to call touch them all first things first. Always love to be able to answer Twitter questions on this podcast. And I've got one of two ways to be able to fire those in. My Twitter timeline at JaronScorty1 is the first and most traditional. Keep in mind, the letters EM, they mean does not matter. Other ways via an Apple Podcast view. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. And then from there, you're able to send in your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you. We did get it one today, so let's dive into it. So you have questions, and Greg may or may not have any insight into them, but let's dive into the Twitter mailbag. We get this one in from Luke Murphy. He's able to be found on Twitter at author L Murphy. Yes, at JRSCORDY1. Do you ever bet individual player props? I do not. Now, there are some people that do a great job with the strikeout prop market. I know that we've had Ariel Epstein on this podcast a couple times the last few years. She does an absolutely amazing job with that, but really other than the strikeout prop market, 
while these are a bit of a roll of the dice, I know that there are some select books out there that offer will player X, Y end up getting a hit tonight and things like this. You really don't have these offerings where I am in Vegas for one. And for two, the offerings that you do wind up having really other than strikeout props, very limited. And if you do wind up finding those offerings, they are very much a roll of the dice. Like, will player X wind up getting a home run tonight? No doubt you're going to get plus money because, well, there aren't a lot of times where it's like, oh yeah, I fully expect this guy to get a home run because keep in mind, the best home run hitters are getting like 40 home runs in a year in a 162 game season. So it's just one of these things in which there aren't a lot of offerings for one when it comes to baseball player props, really aside from the strikeout props. And for two, there's just not a lot of offerings out here in general with regards to Las Vegas, which is why I really don't dive into it. It would take a little bit of time away from what I'm able to do with regards to the side total analysis like I give on this podcast every day. And I just keep it more to the basics just because, well, I don't necessarily have as much option. I really don't have the ability to shop around for these player props as well. So that is why I don't wind up diving into them. Always appreciate the questions. Now let's take a look back at all the Major League Baseball action that we wound up seeing on Tuesday. Try to find some trends and try to get to know these teams a little bit better. What happened yesterday? Let's go around the bases and find out. For the first time since the 2019 season, the Dodgers have a three-game losing streak. 6-5 of the final. The Cincinnati Reds get the job done. Jesse Winker in this one hits his sixth home run in the campaign that comes off of Walker Buehler. Buehler had not allowed a home run at home since 2019 prior to his last start against the Padres. Now he's given one up in two straight starts. Sixth of the campaign for Mr. Winker as Jeff Hoffman in this one was not long for the game. Gave up three runs over the course of four innings and then Jose De Leon gives up two runs in one and two-thirds innings but Carson Fulmer, Eth Embry, Sean Doolittle I'll give you a scoreless inning for the Dodgers. They got some offense in this one. Will Smith got jiggy with a third homer on the campaign. Walker Buehler, he got shelled. Five runs, give it up in six and a third inning. Punch out ten, but not necessarily terrific. Scott Alexander gives up a run out of the bullpen as well. Jimmy Nelson, he pitches a scoreless inning. And Dana Santana winds up giving a little bit of something. But regardless, Dodgers go down. Not a good day for California teams as... The Colorado Rockies go to extras with the San Francisco Deontes, and it was the Rockies getting a 7-5 win on 7 hits. In this one, C.J. Crone, fourth home run of the season. Ryan McMahon is eighth. Garrett Hampson, his third, and Hampson's home run comes off of Jake McGee in the ninth. Hampton goes deep in the 10th inning off of Mr. Gregory Santos as Aron Sanchez. Not a bad start in this one for the Giants. Two runs given up in four and two-thirds innings. Jose Alvarez comes out of the bullpen. He gives up a run. Jake McGee gives up that home run in the ninth. And then Santos, three runs, two of which were earned, give it up in this one. And for the Giants, they were actually able to force extras thanks to a Brandon Crawford home run off of Daniel Bard, who tried to put this game away. His fourth of the season, Brandon Belt winds up going deep off of Mr. Chichi Gonzalez for his fourth of the season. So, if you wind up having the under in this one, this was a brutal beat, especially considering the Rockies were averaging 1.6 runs per game on the road prior to this one, and for Gonzalez, gives up three runs over the course of five innings, and the bullpen was relatively solid. Cesar Estevez winds up giving up an under and run out of the bullpen, but Ryan Stevens and Michael Givens I'll give you a scoreless inning, and then Ben Bowden was able to do the same. Bard gives up that home run, but by and large, Rockies were able to get the job done there. Padres, they wind up losing to the Arizona Diamondbacks and continue the California trend by a count of 5-1. to one. For the D-backs, they rank second in the big leagues with regards to runs per game, and they take it to a guy I feel is a little bit overrated in Chris Paddock. Gives up five runs, not only three of which were earned over the course of five and a third innings, but for the Arizona Diamondbacks, taking him deep in this one, 
Carson Kelly, his sixth homer on the campaign. Merrill Kelly, he was very good in this one. Six innings pitch, gives up a run. Caleb Smith, J.B. Burkakis, along with Taylor Clark, were able to get the job done from there. And then for the Padres, this is a team that they got something out of their bullpen in this one. They pitched the most innings of any bullpen out there in the big league so far this year. And they've actually got the best bullpen ERA in the National League. As Craig Salmon, Pierce Johnson, Aaron Northcraft, they give you two and two-thirds innings scoreless. But just nothing doing on offense for this team. 0 of 7 with men in scoring position. Sticking with the California theme, the Angels go on the road and they lose to the Texas Rangers by a count of 6 of 1. A Rangers team that two days ago was averaging 2.1 runs per game and oh, well, the antidote to that, Jose Quintana and his 10-13 ERA. Five runs given up in three and a third innings and he was taken deep twice. Going deep for the Walker Texas Rangers, Nick Solak twice. One was off of him. One was off of Junior Guerra, his sixth and seventh of the season. Joey Gallo took him for a ride as well as second. And for Mike Fultonavich, his best start of the year. One run given up in five and a third innings. From there, Jolie Rodriguez, Brett Martin, and John King were able to deliver scoreless outings for them. And for the Angels, bullpen wasn't bad as Junior Guerra winds up giving up that home run. But three innings gives up a run. Steve Ciszek, two-thirds of an inning, and Ben Rowan, a score of setting, and for the Angels, they wind up going 2 of 11 with men in scoring position, so they actually out hit the Texas Rangers in this one, 10 to 9, yet lost by a count of 6 to 1. It was a dog day out there in baseball in general. The Detroit Tigers were one of the biggest of them. 5 to 2, they take down the Chicago White Sox. For the Tigres, they were on a pretty bad losing streak, but Miguel Cabrera gets his first home run since opening day. His second of the season that comes off of Lucas Giolito. Giolito gives one up to Nico Goodrum, his third, and then Jonathan Scope goes deep off of Matt Foster for his second for Giolito. He winds up giving up four runs over the course of six and two-thirds innings of two bombs. Matt Foster gives up a home run out of the bullpen. Jose Ruiz, a scoreless setting, but for the White Sox, 0 of 13 with runners in scoring position as the Detroit Tigers get seven innings out of Jose Yareña. Two runs given up by him, one of which was earned. Jose Cicerno, Gregory Soto, part of the worst bullpen in terms of ERA in the big leagues, wind up closing it off. This despite the fact that the Detroit Tigers had five errors. Jonathan Scope had one. Jamir Candelario had two. Jose Urena had one of his own. And Willie Castro had an error. Five errors for the Tigers. They score five runs, and yet they win by a count of 5-2. to two. That's actually quite hilarious. It's also hilarious how bad the offense was for the Seattle Mariners yesterday as they wind up losing by a count of 2-0 for the Astros. For the Mariners, just nothing doing as Marco Gonzalez, a solid start here, gives up two runs over the course of six innings. Kendall Graveman, Anthony Michevich, a scoreless inning, although I will say for Gonzalez, three walks given up in this one. He had one walk for nine innings last season, so that has turned around. But for Mr. Christian Javier, he has been absolutely tremendous for this team now. He's 0-87 ERA, seven scoreless innings. Brooks Raley, Ryan Presley, scoreless eighth and ninth innings, so they were able to get it done there as the Houston Astros. They themselves didn't have a lot of offense, but they certainly didn't need it on this night. There wasn't a lot of offense around Major League Baseball's even Carlos Martinez had himself a nice start. He winds up getting his first win since 2019. 5-2 the final for Martinez. 7 to third innings. Gives up two runs, only one of which was earned. Giovanni Gallegos, two-thirds of an inning, and Alex Reyes is able to close the door. And for the Cardinals, they themselves won 2 of 10 with men in scoring position. No home runs for them, but Zach Eflin, he was Eflin awful. Five runs given up in six and two-thirds innings. Jose Alvarado, he scored a setting, and Sam Coonrod came in for an out as well. But for the Philadelphia Phillies, a little bit short-handed in this one. It showed three hits off of Carlos Martinez. That's not necessarily what you're looking for. After the Cubs wound up having a nice outburst on offense two days ago with seven runs against the Atlanta Braves. Zero yesterday. Five to zero the final 
for the Chicago Cubs. They got two hits in this one. It was just the unhittable Ian Anderson in this one. One hit given up in seven innings. AJ Minter, Jacob Webb, they were able to duplicate that. Five punchouts combined from those two guys in two innings. And for the Atlanta Braves, I mean, it's not like they were necessarily tremendous on offense. They left 10 men on base, but Ronald Acuna Jr. had like a 481-foot home run, his eighth of the season. That comes off of Trevor Williams. It wasn't great, wasn't terrible. Goes five innings, he gives up six hits, two walks, but punches out eight, gives up that home run, two runs in total. Brian Workman, he did some work, man. He gave up three runs, but only one of which was earned. He was hurt by a Nico Herner air. Ryan Tapera, Rex Brothers, Dan Winkler, while well, able to come in and have scoreless outings, but does he know yeah, when you wind up scoring zero runs on offense yourself? For the Oakland A's, they have now lost two out of three after they wound up winning 13 straight games, four to three the final. For the Oakland A's, Frankie Montas, his road struggles continue. Wasn't like a terrible start, but it wasn't great. Three runs given up over the course of six innings, including home run. Going deep, Brett Phillips, his first of the season. And then for the A's, you wind up having J.B. Wendelkin give up a run of the bullpen as well. A scoreless inning, though, out of Raymond Gudan as the Oakland A's. They got a home run of their own. Sam Murphy goes deep off of Diego Castillo for a start of the season. For Michael Waka, he was not Waka, 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 Waka. He was walking home to a win. Gives up one run over the course of five innings. Jeffrey Springs gives up a run out of the pen along Diego Castillo. That home run. But Trevor Richards, Ryan Thompson, they were both able to deliver as well for the race. One of 12 with men in scoring position. So that was not necessarily the quality look that you were looking for there. But with that said, still good enough to be able to get the job done. The New York Yankees, after being thoroughly humiliated and entering into... The day on Tuesday, the Yankees had been lighting your money on fire, but they did not mind up doing so on Tuesday. They take down the Orioles by a count of 5-2. to two. Bruce Zimmerman got lit up in this one. Four runs given up in three and two-thirds innings, including a home run. Dylan Tate goes two and two-thirds innings. He lost a solo home run. Going deep off of Mr. Tate in this one was Giancolo Stanton, his sixth of the season. And then for the home runs that Zimmerman gave up, Aaron Judge is fifth of the campaign. And Kyle Igashioke should be the starting catcher for the team, in my opinion. He gets his fourth as you wind up having Jay Flaw make his MLB debut. One and a third inning scoreless. Cole Solzer, same for him, but for the Orioles. Just something new and on offense. He combined seven hits, but one of nine with men in scoring position. Corey Kluber, six and two-thirds innings, gives up one run. Jonathan Luizaga, Lucas Luteji comes in from there. They're able to get the final seven outs. The Washington Nationals, they weren't able to get too many outs on the Toronto, a.k.a. Dunedin Blue Jays. Nine to five, the final. Mad Max Scherzer gives up a grand slam in this one to Vlad Guerrero Jr. as Guerrero Jr. goes deep. Not once, not twice. But three times, twice off of Scherzer, once off of Kyle Finnegan. His fifth, sixth, and seventh home runs of the season. And for the Toronto Blue Jays, it was a wholesale approach in this one. Trent Thornton goes one and a third innings. Gives up two home runs in the process. Going deep for the Washington Nationals. Trey Turner down for what off of him twice. That is his fifth and sixth of the season. Then from there, you wind up having Ryan Zimmerman get his third home run on the campaign. That comes off of Joel Payampas. And then the first home run of the season comes from Yadiel Hernandez as well. He winds up being able to go deep off of Tommy Malone who pitched in and gave up that run. Anthony Castro, a scoreless inning. 
Tim Mazza along Tyler Chadwood, a combined two innings from them. Rafael Dolis was able to close the door, so they were able to give you a little bit of something. And for the Washington Nationals, for Scherzer, specifically seven runs, five of which were in was his closing line. Kyle Finnegan gives up two out of the bullpen, so not necessarily a banner day for the team out there in our nation's capital. Not a banner day for the Mets offense either. They are currently at the bottom of the league with regards to home runs per game. 2-1 to one the final. They wind up losing to the Boston Red Sox, Bobby Dahlbeck, who wound up actually heating up towards the end of last season. His first home run of the season, that was big, and for Garrett Richards, you figured it was only going to be a matter of time before he wound up finding it once again. Seven innings pitch, gives up just one run, punches out 10. He looked terrific in them from there. Matt Barnes, bad injuries. They were both able to give you a scoreless inning out of the bullpen, so they certainly did their part. And then if you're taking a look at the Metropolitans, just not a lot of offense on this one. Seven hits, but they only generate one run. David Peterson, no relation. He did not embarrass the family in this one as he winds up giving up just two runs over the course of six innings. Jurisic Familia, who currently has a buck 59 ERA. You can bet on that going up. He winds up not giving up any runs. Trevor May, Miguel Castro, all scoreless innings, but other than a Jeff McNeil solo home run, just nothing going on offense for the New York Metropolitans in this one. Nothing going on offense either for the Kansas City Royals as they're the top under team out there in baseball. 6-14-2 to the under. So 70% of their games have won under. 2-1 the final. The Pittsburgh Pirates are able to get the job done. And for the Pirates, they're at 12-11 and and they're one of the most profitable teams in baseball at this point. Jacob Junis, not a bad start. Six and a third innings. Gives up two runs. From there, Scott Barlow records two outs. Greg Allen was able to give you a scoreless inning as well. But for the Royals, they just weren't able to hit Mr. Tyler Anderson. Six innings pitch. He gives up one run. Dwayne Underwood Jr., Sam Howard, Richard Rodriguez all give you a scoreless setting. And for the Pittsburgh Pirates, Duve with men scoring position was not necessarily a sexy game when it came to offense, but they were able to get it done regardless. It was not sexy for the Minnesota Twins either, who are now 7-15 and and towards the bottom of the American League. They lose the Cleveland Indians, who became the Windians in this one, by a count of 7-4. Kenta Maeda. Five runs given up in five and two-thirds innings. That is a 6.56 ERA. Caleb Theobar gave you a scoreless inning. Alex Colomay, he continues to be awful. 8.31 ERA. He gives up two runs in this one. And for Maeda, gave up three home runs. Going deep for the Cleveland Indians. Jose Ramirez, his sixth home run in the campaign. Framio Reyes gets his sixth and seventh as well. And for Aaron Savali, not necessarily the greatest start, but he gave length. Four runs given up in seven and two-thirds innings, including home run of his own. James Karachek gets the final four outs for a save as going deep in this one. How about Byron Buxton? Seventh home run of the season. I mean, Buxton hitting 390 with seven home runs, and it's all coming in vain because the rest of the Minnesota Twins are playing very poopy. Speaking of poopy, that's what the Marlins were on Tuesday. Five to four. The Milwaukee Brewers get it done. For the Miami Marlins, by the way, Jesus Aguiar now is his third home run in the last five days. His fourth overall this season, John Birdie. He gets his second home run in four days as well. That winds up coming deep off of Brent Suter. That was his second of the campaign. And for Aguiar, he winds up going deep off of Adrian Hauser. Didn't give a great start. Didn't give a terrible one. Five and two-thirds innings. He gives up three runs. Suter winds up giving up that home run in an inning. But Devin Williams along Josh Hader. In my opinion, the best one-two punch in the eighth and ninth inning. They get it done. And Adrian Hauser! Brings back hashtag Pitcher's Ureg, his first home run of the season. It comes off of Dan Castano, 
Castano winds up giving one up to Tyrone Taylor as well. For Castano, he doesn't take the loss, but if you give up a home run to the pitcher, you should. Three runs given up in three to third innings. John Curtis with two S's on the end of Curtis. Gives up one run and records five outs. He winds up taking the L. Adam Simber was hurt by an error out there in the field by John Birdie. One earned run. He winds up not being able to get the job done as well. So was a very interesting day out there in Major League Baseball in general. And if you're taking a look at things, unders still continue to be quite good out there in Major League Baseball. I mentioned the fact that the Royals have played 70% of their games to the under. The Detroit Tigers, by the way, they played 68% of their games to the under. If you're just taking a look at the AL East and teams not named the Boston Red Sox, unders have been good there. AL Central teams have been good to the under as well. And if you're taking a look out west, the AL West, the LA Angels have been a very good over team for you thus far. But overall, unders are now just above 53%, 53 163 unders, 143 overs. Favorites are starting to have a little bit of a comeback, but still not great if you've been betting on them. 176 and 161, that's a 52.2% clip. And for away teams, they're hitting at a 49.4% rate. I mean, home teams, just 172 and 168. So it's not like you've necessarily had a big edge there. And if you've been taking the run and half with the underdog so far in these games on the run line, 213 and 127. So that's been making you a lot of money. Let's try to make you a little bit of money with some analysis coming up next from our good buddy Jason Radowitz. Does a great job with Sportsbook Review. We're going to be talking to him about just looking at some of these splits, how meaningful they are when handicapping baseball. We're also going to be talking to him about the games coming up for Wednesday. That's on the other side right here on the Baseball Bank Podcast with myself, Dave Peterson. Greg is calling in a pinch hitter from the Overtime Network Hotline. And we're back here in Love you, Las Vegas for Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. It is great to be joined by our next guest. He does absolutely terrific work with SBR, a.k.a. Sportsbook Review. He is a man that has joined this podcast many times, and that's because he does a great job of taking a look at the MLB, but he also takes a look at some of the foreign leagues as well. I know that he's done some work with the MPB. He's currently doing some great work with the KBO, and you're able to follow him at his name. Easy enough. Jason Radowitz, just make sure to put an underscore in between that first and last name, so it's Jason underscore Radowitz. I will spell out that last name for you. R-A-D-O-W-I-T-Z. Jason, it is always great to get you on the podcast. You always bring in my friend, and always nice to be able to chat some baseball. Thank you so much for joining me. Of course. I appreciate you having me. It's been a really fun baseball season so far. Yeah, I do the KBO, also obviously the MLB, and baseball is really you know my favorite sport to cap, and it's just such a great sport in terms of strategizing and situational and good uh, things that go on in the game, so it's uh, really fun. It makes you really think, and- definitely makes you smarter. I agree with you and Jason we certainly have been getting smarter this last month or so of the season because we've been able to identify some of these teams and no question there are some teams out there in which maybe we're still overreacting on a little bit because it's a 162 game season but I think that we've been able to come to a conclusion that maybe the Royals were a little bit underrated coming into the year maybe the Yankees were a little bit overrated coming into the year now you got to think that the Royals are probably going to regress a little bit because they wind up getting a bunch of games and against teams like the Texas Rangers, against the likes of the Detroit Tigers, who they just wound up sweeping. Meanwhile, for the Yankees, at some point, the bats are going to be able to come around a little bit, but I do feel like we've learned a little
little bit more about these teams and we need to start reacting a little bit to what we've seen so far. Maybe not completely jumping off the ship of the New York Yankees, but certainly maybe tempering our expectations that we had coming into the year and making some adjustments. Standings are really weird right now. The Twins are 7-14. and 14. Who expected that to start the season? So you've got the Mariners. They're 13-10 and 10 and above 500 when their owner said that they wouldn't be competitive this year. So it's been a really weird season so far. And obviously, it's a very small sample size of what's to come uh, for the future. And things will definitely change as he progresses. But so far, it's been really interesting. Some teams that we didn't expect to be good are performing a little bit better. Some teams that we expected to be really good, like the Mets, like the Yankees, the Twins, they've struggled. So it's a really interesting start to the season for sure. I do agree with you, and one of the teams that is very fascinating right now is the LA Dodgers, because with the Dodgers, this is a team that has uncharacteristically lost quite a few games. Entered into yesterday, loses a four of their last five. Now we are recording this prior to the Reds versus Dodgers game for Tuesday wind up taking place, but no question, you got to think that the Dodgers are going to be wanting a win. No way that we have a must-win situation in April or anything like that, but you certainly don't want to be losing as many games as the Dodgers have been recently, but they do have their ace, Clayton Kershaw, going to the bump, but it is interesting to gauge this Reds team as well because they wound up starting out the year very strong. They went on a skid before they were able to get a win over the Dodgers on Monday, and they've got a guy in Sonny Gray that has not necessarily been himself since being injured, and you've got to think that he's going to want to put up a good start here as well. The Reds are finding themselves as sizable underdogs. Dodgers as high as minus $2 in some spots. And I think that this is a very interesting one to gauge. I know that if you're looking to maybe take a run and half, sometimes these Dodger games are a good situation in order to do so. I want to get your take on this one because I do think that we've got a good matchup that's going to be going down in LA on Wednesday. Yeah, you know, Sonny Gray started the season a little bit later than most due to injury. He's been hitting some curveballs. He even admitted that he wasn't feeling his best to start the season. But you know he'll come around and he's a big strikeout guy. He's a guy that you can lean on throughout the entire season. Will that be the case in April? Maybe not throughout the season. Of course, he'll be really good. And especially with that red offense that, again, we talk about surprises. They've surprised. They've looked pretty good offensively, although now they are below 500. But they're a good team. They're a team that they're very capable of making the playoffs and they'll be competitive. And if they don't make the playoffs, they'll at least, you know, knock a couple teams out of the playoffs. And it probably won't be the Dodgers, but it could be really anyone in the NL. The Dodgers, of course, are going to be starting Clayton Kershaw. If the Dodgers end up losing with Walker Mueller on the mound, yeah, it's not a must win for the Dodgers, but they better find a way with Kershaw on the mound against Sonny Gray who hasn't performed himself yet. But with that said, of course, the Reds, they were able to win the first game of the series. They looked pretty good, held the Dodgers to just three runs and found a way in, in extra innings. And that's what the Reds can do to you. They're a really well-balanced team, and they're a team that can really upset anybody. So anytime you see value for the Reds as plus money, I think that you should definitely take that chance. And the Reds are just one of many sizable underdogs that we wind up seeing on the board for Wednesday. No question, the Mariners are a big underdog against the Astros. Astros find themselves right around $2 favorites. The White Sox right around $2 favorites. Jacob DeGrom's on the mound for the Mets, which means that they're right around minus 230 to minus 240 against the Boston Red Sox. The Washington Nationals are getting right around plus 150 against the Toronto, a.k.a. Dunedin Blue Jays. The Rays are a sizable favorite. So even if you took the Reds out of the fold, you've still got a bunch of big 
underdogs that are on the board for Wednesday. Do you see any value with any of these underdogs? Is it maybe a situation in which it really isn't some? Because I do think that this is a very interesting card for Wednesday with all of these teams that are catching plus 150 or greater. There's going to be value. It's just trying to figure out which one actually hits and which one doesn't. In the MLB, if you're an underdog of plus 200 or more, there's going to be value on you regardless because this is baseball and nothing comes easy in baseball. It's not like basketball where, you know, a, a team really struggles from the floor and can't defend. It's, you know, sometimes, you know, even Jacob DeGrom will allow a run or two. You know, that could be the difference of the game. So there's probably value on all these teams. Interesting enough, Steven Matt's going to be pitching for the Blue Jays. He's 4-0 with a 2.31 ERA, 25 strikeouts. And he was the first guy to win four games in the MLB. A former Met, that hurts because I'm a Mets fan. But I'm happy to see his success. He was just a really great dude. So it's great to see. But does Matt start to struggle a little bit as the season progresses like he did last year? That's obviously something that could happen. But against the Nationals, without Juan Soto, really without an offense that's really that, that could contribute, you'd expect the Blue Jays to be just fine in this matchup as well. So, yeah, there's a lot of great games, a lot of interesting underdog. A lot of them probably do have value. You just got to find the right one. And that's what you know we'll try to do here. I agree with you. As we do have Jason Radwitz of SVR, a.k.a. Sportsbook Review, joining me on the podcast. And Jason, I mentioned it briefly that the Rays are a sizable favorite against the Oakland A's. The A's, a team that has won 14 out of their last 15 going into Tuesday. But Tyler Glasnow has some very nasty stuff. He's going to be going for the Tampa Bay Rays. How do you take a look at this one? And how do you take a look at Glasnow in general? He and Shane Bieber have been two of the best strikeout pitchers in baseball when it comes to a strikeouts per nine innings basis. And he's going up against an Oakland A's team that they've been able to provide quite a bit of run support for their pitchers. Cole Irvin is someone that throughout his career has been very shaky, but has been able to look a little bit better recently, winning each out of his last two starts. And the Oakland A's in general have just caught fire ever since that very bad run to begin the season. Yeah, you know, Cole Irvin, he's riding a two-game win streak right now and allowed just one run in 11 and one-third innings, and that was due to really him fatiguing late in the game last week. So, yeah, you know, Cole Irvin's looked really good, but obviously Glasnow, one of the best in the business, and especially when it comes to strikeouts, 46 strikeouts already on the season. He should be fine, you know. The Athletics, they just struck out 10 times to Rich Hill. If that's foreshadowing anything, I think Glasnow should be fine in terms of his strikeouts. I know it's lefty-righty, you know, different, but, you know, Glasnow should be fine, get some strikeouts for the Athletics. The Athletics obviously started slow. Now they got hot. Now their offense might start to struggle just a little bit again after being really hot, especially being on the road, coming from Oakland, going all the way down to Tampa Bay. That can't really help either for a West team to come down and try to hit against a, you know, an East Coast team, especially in Florida. So I think Gladnow should be good in this matchup. Cole Irvin's been fun to watch in the last two games, but you can't expect that to continue. You can't expect maybe, you know, five innings allowed, one, two runs. That's possible against this raised offense. That's not really that terrific. But Glasnow is just way above most of the pitchers in the league right now. No disagreement here, as we do have Jason Radowitz joining me right here on the podcast. And Jason, when I take a look at what we've all noticed in baseball in general, as well as that home and road splits seem to be very real. My New York Post play of the day for this one is going to be the San Francisco Giants and the Colorado Rockies, because going into Tuesday's action, the Rockies were averaging right around 1.6 runs per game, by far the worst out there in the big leagues. You're noticing the Texas Rangers averaging over double the amount of runs per game on the road than they are at home. So the Coors Field effect is in effect. 
you've got the Texas Rangers and their new ballpark. It seems to be affecting them whenever they play at home. List goes on and on. I don't know if you wind up taking these into account when it comes to your handicapping. I don't know how you wind up utilizing these, but these have been some of the best trends that I've been finding in baseball right now. And are there perhaps other trends that you wind up looking at as well? Because home and road splits are big to me. Obviously, you've got some teams that are very good righty versus lefty. The Chicago White Sox, a prime example of that. But I really do feel like the home and road splits have been coming to the forefront a little bit more, especially with the weather that we're seeing as well. Because keep in mind, last year, we wound up starting that season out in July and August. This year, it's very cold to start the year out there in the Midwest and the Northeast. Yeah, that's a good luck there. When it comes to home and and road split, you know, of course, the MLB, all the fields have different dimensions and that kind of does play to different, you know, home and away splits compared to, you know, if you were to play in the NFL or the NBA or, you know, any basketball or football, it's the same dimensions everywhere you go. But when it comes to baseball, teams build their teams based on their field and their home field. So if you have a big ballpark, teams are going to be adding you know, a lot of potentially, you know, fly ball pitchers and, you know, some speed. If you have a ballpark that, you know, could easily have home runs, you're going to try to get pitchers that, you know, have a high ground ball rate. So you have to think of the teams and general managers and just the front office in general, they're going to be looking to build a team around, you know, what their field looks like to be as successful as possible. So that's definitely something to look at throughout the entire season for sure. Sage advice there. What else is sage advice? Just following you all year long, Jason. You do an absolutely terrific job with the MLB. I know that you're doing some work over there handicapping the KBO as well. And if people are looking to catch your show on SBREK Sportsbook Review, you're on every Monday through Friday. So let the good people at home know how they're able to get that, know what you're all working on in general, and just how they're able to follow along on social media and other places. Because I know that you post up pics in quite a few places and you do so also well. Yeah, so I'm also doing the KBO, and you can find me at Jason underscore Radowitz on Twitter. I have my own Patreon, of course, for the KBO and the MLB. I give a lot of my analysis through the show on FBR, but because we have other people on the show and we have a time frame, I can't give it all out, so some of my analysis is on Patreon, where I also give out player props. I do that exclusively for Patreon as well as the KBO, and then also have my bets for the MLB every single day on FBR, and I post those on Twitter if they're not player props. So keep a little bit of everything, do a little bit of everything in baseball. That's what I'm up to right now, and it's been a lot of fun. And Jason is doing absolutely terrific work, handicapping the KBO, handicapping the MLB. I know that he dives into other markets as well, and he always winds up bringing it whenever he's on this podcast. He always brings it whenever he does his picks on SBR and other places as well. So always great to be able to get him aboard. A big thanks to Jason Radowitz for joining me right here on the Baseball Betting Podcast. And coming up next, it is that time of the podcast to give you a sign total on every game on the betting board for this Wednesday as we touch them all. Welcome back to the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson as we're off to a quality start. And now it's time to walk it off in a grand fashion. And we're back here in lovely Las Vegas for the Baseball Betting Podcast. Myself, Greg Peterson. A big thanks to Jason Radowitz of SBREK Sportsbook Review for joining me in the last segment. Now it is that time of the podcast that I give you a signed total on every game on the betting board for this Wednesday as we... 
touch them all. If a game is listed on the betting board, Greg has a side and a total on it, so it is time to touch them all. Do note that any changes that are made to these plays will be listed up on my Twitter feed at JarenSquirty1. As per usual, we are going to be going in the Las Vegas rotation order. Las Vegas rotation order is ordered by National League games first, then the American League games, and then from there you have interleague games, so that's how it winds up working, and then with each league it goes by time order, which means that the first game on the board is 901-902. You've got the Miami Marlins hitting the road face off against the Milwaukee Brewers. Unfortunately, we got no numbers up on this game because for the Milwaukee Brewers, currently the pitcher is listed as to be determined. Meanwhile, for the Miami Marlins, Sandy Alcantara is going to be going for them. And for Sandy Alcantara, he's right now got an 0-2 record, but 334 ERA. He certainly deserves better than what he's gotten so far this year. He's only given up two home runs, 32 punch outs. So he's been relatively rock solid, giving up three runs or fewer in four out of his five starts. Ironically enough, the team wound up giving up the start at which he wound up giving up north of three. But for the Brewers, it's pretty much anyone's guess as to who might be getting the start in this one. Yeah, I think that perhaps you maybe look at someone like a Brent Suter to be able to get this start. My guess would have been Josh Lindblom, but I don't think that he's currently on the roster, so that's going to be a little bit of an issue, but you're certainly going to need to use up all of your bullpen pieces in this one. Freddie Peralta is someone that has been able to give this team a little bit of something throughout the year, but I don't think that he's going to be eligible to go on short rest, so it really does leave you with that. You're probably going to look at someone like an Anel Pergomo giving you some innings. Not necessarily too terrific, and you want to know what else is not necessarily too terrific. This Milwaukee Brewers lineup, they are 13-9 to despite the fact that right now as a team, they are hitting right around at 211. They've been able to get a little bit of something from guys like Omir Narvaez and Tyrone Taylor, both guys hitting above a 380 going into yesterday. And how about Colton Wong? He's been able to turn it on as well, wound up getting the day off yesterday. Everyone else in the starting lineup that was going yesterday for the Milwaukee Brewers had a batting average of a 216 or lower. So there is that. And then when you take a look at the Miami Marlins, this team ranks dead last in the majors when it comes to home runs on a per-game basis. Jazz Chislam has been able to give you four bombs. He's hitting at 280, and you've got a couple guys that are able to get on base. Miguel Rojas, Jesus Aguiar, along Corey Dickerson, only above a 280 for this team. Even Sunday Leon in a very, very small sample size hitting a 313. That will certainly regress, but you take a look at the Miami Marlins. Bullpen has been relatively solid for this team. Guys like Zach Pop, Yimi Garcia have been solid. Now, you do want to note that you get a little bit too much hard contact out of Richard Blyer, but even a guy like Anthony Bass is able to take you hook, line, and sinker. This is a spot in which I'd probably be looking at the Milwaukee Brewers as a bit of an underdog, especially if the bullpen winds up getting taxed in the start for Adrian Hauser on Tuesday. So that's what I'm going to be taking a look at there. And with the subtle, got to be probably taking a look at something in the neighborhood of eight if you wind up getting someone for the Brewers like maybe... You wind up recalling Josh Lindblom if he's not injured. Maybe you wind up getting someone like a Brent Suter who's able to give you a couple innings and then they piecemeal it together from there. So that's what I'm taking a look at right now. A little bit sketchy, so check back in the morning in my Twitter feed at JarenScorty1 once we actually know who the birds are going to be throwing out there because I'm someone that was born and raised in Wisconsin at this point. I have no idea. 903-904 on the betting board. We've got more numbers on this one as the Cincinnati Reds. Yes, we are on the Cincinnati, and they are on to L.A. to face off against the Dodgers. Clayton Kershaw goes for the Dodgers. 
Sonny Gray is on the bump for the Redlegs. Your total on this game is 7. Over is any warp team minus 110, minus 125. Under is any warp team plus 105 and minus 110 if you're looking at the Dodgers. Anywhere between minus 185 and minus $2. Plus price here with Cincinnati. We're going to be finding an anywhere between plus 170 and plus 175. And in this spot, I wound up making this so that way I'd be taking the Reds if I was getting pretty much anything north of plus 170. I officially wound up setting this at plus 172. So I'm going to be taking a look at the Reds in some form or capacity here. Only thing is, do we wind up getting a favorable run line spot here with the Reds? Have to lay right around minus 125, so the answer is no. But you take a look at Sonny Gray. Has he been himself ever since he wound up getting injured? No, he is not. He's right now got a 788 ERA. He's given up Two home runs and five walks in eight innings over two starts. And you take a look at Clayton Kershaw. He's been nothing short of magnificent. 31 punch outs and 31 and two thirds innings. You wind up just throwing out that first start of the year they wind up having against the Colorado Rockies. He's given up a combined four runs in the team's last four starts. Here's the thing though with the Dodgers, the bullpen is not necessarily looking. Terrific. Kenley Jansen on Monday. We all saw what he wound up doing. You've got Bersuda Gratterall coming off of injury. He's not looking like himself. Victor Gonzalez has been shaky out there in the bullpen. Jimmy Nelson, he's trying to acclimate to that role as well. Dennis Santana has been in remiss. Now the Rockies, they certainly have their bullpen issues. Cam Bedrosian was so bad that he was sent to the alternate site. Amir Garrett, he's not good. Heath Embry, Ryan Hendricks, I mean, the list goes on and on. Lucas Sims is someone I like. He hasn't necessarily been able to put it together, but you take a look at this lineup for the Cincinnati Reds, it certainly is doing a very good job. Jesse Winker, along with even someone like a Blandino, these guys are hitting above a 300. Tucker Barnard hitting above a 300. Mike Moustakis is hitting a 289. Not necessarily hitting for a ton of power, but he certainly has been able to do a solid job of getting on base with Cassianos. Seven home runs, 317 batting average whenever Taylor Dinkwin's out there. He's been able to supply the boom with six home runs in his first 57 at-bats. And for the Dodgers, this is a team that they miss some of their guys right now. Cody Bellinger has been out due to injury. Gavin Lux wound up just returning, but he's been in a little bit of a funk. Matt Beatty has not been able to find it this year. Will Smith is hitting just above the middle of the line of 200 along with Austin Barnes. Mookie Betts, he's able to do a wide variety of things, but even he has been off to a little bit of a funk this season, getting Matt Justin Turner down for what on Tuesday is going to help out this team, but I do think that there is some hidden value here on the Cincinnati Reds. I do think that this is going to be a spot in which they should be able to hang a couple runs. Now, with the Cincinnati Reds at home, they're averaging right around 7.8 runs per game on the road, less than half of that, but I do think that with getting back Turner, it's going to help out the Dodgers with regards to their offense. Reds should be able to do a little bit better themselves, so I did wind up setting this total at 7.8, so I'm going to wind up taking this total over, and I'm going to be taking the plus price in this spot with the Cincinnati Reds. 905-906 on the betting board. The Atlanta Braves are going to be playing us to the Chicago Cubs. Kyle Hendricks is going to be going for the Cubs. Meanwhile, Uscari Anoa is going to be going for the Atlanta Braves. Your total on this game is 9. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The over is anywhere between even a minus 110. If you're taking a look at an 8.5. Over is just a minus 125. The under is plus 105. And with the Cubbies, you're going to be getting a plus price anywhere between plus 110 and plus 115. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it with the Bravos, and we're between minus 120 and minus 130. For Noah, you know what? He's actually been relatively good this year, and you've always got to note the home and road splits of Kyle Hendricks. This is someone that throughout his Cubs career has had a full, above two points higher ERA on the road than he has at home. Last year's ERA at home was right around a two. On the road, it was north of four, so that is something that you certainly do want to know, Dan. I 
ironically enough, he's pretty much done all of his starts at home so far this year, so you don't have a sample size for 2021, but he's given up seven home runs and eight walks in 18 innings so far this year, so it's not going great there. Meanwhile, for Mr. Yanoa, he has given up five home runs himself in 22 innings, but he's facing off against the Cubs lineup that you just don't know if you're going to be able to get out of them night in and night out. You take a look at the Chicago Cubs, they're a team that wound up entering into Tuesday, hitting a 211 as a collective, but they're towards the top of the league with regards to home runs, so there is that, but you take a look at the Chicago Cubs, Nico Horner coming back, his big, he's hitting right around a 420, Wilson Contreras, along with even a guy like a Matt Duffy, both getting on base along with Chris Bryant, but really, past these three guys, you're not getting much, Anthony Rizzo has been able to play for a 230, he's giving you a little bit of something, but David Bodie, Jason Hayward, even a guy like an Ian hapap all these guys are saying Hapap-Boo hitting at the Mendoza line of 200 or worse, meanwhile for the Atlanta Braves, you gotta figure that this team is gonna hit as well, going into yesterday, Marcel Ozuna, Ozzy Albies, Travis Sayer, no, Dansby Swanson, Freddie Freeman, all hitting below a 210. Now, Ronald Cunha Jr., seven home runs, 361 batting average, but ever since he wound up coming back due to injury, he hasn't necessarily been himself. Colin Pache has been injured, so Guillermo Heredia has been chipping in, and he's actually done a solid job. And with the Atlanta Braves, this is a team that they've got a solid bullpen. Will Smith is able to get Jiggy with it. You've got Jacob Webb, who's been able to give you some solid innings. Tyler Mazik is someone that you, at this point, don't want any part of, but by and large, they've been able to do their job. And for the Cubs, Dan Winkler has actually been very good out of the bullpen. I'm not necessarily one that I thought would be saying that, but you know what he has been? Andrew Chafin, don't know if I necessarily trust him. Rex Brothers is hit or miss, but actually Craig Kimbrell has been a good find for the team, but I take a look at it. I do think the, the Atlanta Braves are going to be able to get their offense going. I think that bad Kyle Hendricks winds up showing up in this spot, so I wound up saying this all at 9.7, so we're going to be taking that over, and with the Braves, willing to lay up to minus 138, so we're going to be laying it here with the Bravos. 907-908 on the betting board. The St. Louis Cardinals are going to be playing with the Philadelphia Phillies. Vince Velasquez goes for the Phillies. Meanwhile, you don't mess with the Johan. Oviedo is going to be going for the St. Louis Cardinals. Your total on this game is 8.5. You over is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between even a minus 110. Seeing a straight 9 out there. Under is minus 125. The over is plus 105. If you're looking at the Cardinals, a small favorite here. Anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Meanwhile, your plus price here with the Phillies is in some places a plus price, as high as a plus 105. In other places, as low as a minus 102. And for Vince Velasquez, hard to have a lot of faith in him. I need to be getting right around a plus 120 or greater to be taking a shot here on the Philadelphia Phillies. I do recognize that the Phillies do have Bryce Harper, who I feel like is going to be the best player in this game, but man, it does make it a little bit more challenging in this spot because you take a look at Velasquez throughout his career as a starter, a north of 5 ERA so far this season. He's gotten 13 punch shots in 8 innings, but 9 walks in 8 innings. It's not good. Meanwhile, from Mr. Oviedo, 4 and 2 thirds innings in his one start. Did issue 2 walks, but he's able to hold down the fort, did not wind up giving up a single run. And for the Cardinals, the bullpen has been a little bit of a trial by fire because you've had Jordan Nix not necessarily look good after he missed all of last season, but Alex Reyes has been able to step in. He's been able to do a solid job. Ryan Aisley, I don't know if I necessarily trust in him. Giovanni Gallegos, Genesis Cabrera, these guys have been solid. And then you take a look at the Philadelphia Phillies. It's still hard to have faith in this bullpen. Hector Neris was able to close the door a couple days ago. Sam Coonrod is someone that's able to give you innings, but Brandon Kitzler does not necessarily look terrific. Jojo Romero, he does not necessarily instill faith in you. And then you take a look at the Phillies lineup. They've been dealing with some injuries, but Bryce Harper, JT Riumito, even someone like a Reese Hoskins have all been solid. Hoskins, eight home runs to be able to lead off the year. That's been very solid. Brad Miller hitting above a 300, and I guess you got a little bit of interesting work for him because 
He's been called out of his typical bench role because I think that Andrew McCutcheon has been dealing with an injury. You've also had a young second baseman and Nick Bain who's been able to step up, hitting a 440 going into yesterday. Meanwhile, for the St. Louis Cardinals, Paul Goldschmidt, Nolan Arenado, both of these guys hitting at 245 or lower going into yesterday. But Dylan Carlson, Three home runs, hitting a 292. That's been nice. Paul DeYoung has been able to give you some power, but is hitting below the Meadows line of 200. He is doing that along with Matt Carpenter, who is now just absolutely terrible, by the way. Tyler O'Neill, and then Justin Williams as well. So, you've had some light inning guys as well. Yadier Molina wound up getting the day off yesterday, so he should be rested, and he should be probably good to go soon, but it looks like he might be on the 10-day injured list, so that, no question, is going to hurt the St. Louis Cardinals a little bit, because not only does... Mr. Yadier Molina do a good job with this bat. He also does a nice job of being able to be able to call a game as well. Andrew Kisner, a very good defensive catcher, but at the same time, he doesn't necessarily offer that offensive pop, but the good news for the Cardinals is they're facing off against Vince Velasquez, which is why I still have this total at 9, despite the fact that you're likely not going to have Yadier Molina in this game or moving forward a little bit more for the St. Louis Cardinals. So this is the spot in which I am going to be taking the over. But if you're looking at the Cardinals, going to be making them a minus 119 favorite. So we're taking the money line of the Cardinals to go along with this total over as well. 909-910 on the betting board. You've got the Salam Diego Padres and they're in the road to face off against the Arizona Diamondbacks. Tyler Widener is going to be going for the D-backs. Meanwhile, Ryan Weathers is on the bump for the pods. Padres, anywhere between minus 147 and minus 151 favorites. Meanwhile, your plus price here with Arizona is anywhere between plus 130 and plus 140. Total on this game is 9 overs, anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The under is anywhere between minus 105 and minus 110. For Widener, he actually has been able to provide some relatively solid starts. And going into yesterday, the Arizona Diamondbacks, number two in the big leagues when it comes to runs per game produced. Now, I do think that that's going to be drying up a little bit, but you know, if, if Widener is able to perform to his numbers, now he's had to begin the year 22 to third innings, a 282 ERA, six walks, four home runs given up. He actually has a chance to be able to win this one. Meanwhile, you take a look at Mr. Weathers. He has been terrific in his first couple outings. Two starts and a couple long relief appearances against the Dodgers in his two starts. Did not mind up giving up a single run. A combined nine punch outs over the course of, I believe, nine and a third innings. So, he was doing a good job of being able to hold it down for the Padres. This is the team with the best bullpen ERA out there in the National League, but they've also used their bullpen for the most innings in total as well, which is why you've now got some of these other gentlemen that need to come in due to injuries like it. Aaron Northcraft is right now in for them. Nick Ramirez wound up getting completely shelled against the Dodgers on Sunday. Craig Salmon is able to give you some length along Drew Pomerantz, but certainly I do think that that is going to regress a little bit. And then you take a look at the years and the Diamondbacks in general. They've been without the Marte Parte of Quetel Marte along with Tim McCastro for quite a while, but they're still finding ways to be able to generate offense. Carson Kelly hitting well above a 300 right now. He's been able to do his part. Bevin Smith, Cole Callum, they're both hitting north of a 285 themselves. David Peralta has been able to hit about a 250. He's able to give you some hard contact. 18 RB going into yesterday's game. Now, Nick Amad is just terrible. He's hitting below 130, but then you take a look at the Padres. All of a sudden, Fernando Tatis Jr. has been able to find it. He had five home runs in the final three games in that series against the Dodgers. Trent Grisham has been able to do a good job of getting on base hitting just below 300. Eric Cosmer hitting at 315. Now, it looks like they're probably going to be without Tommy Pham for a bit, but Tommy Pham wasn't necessarily doing a lot for you anyway. Jake Cronenworth is able to get on base. Jerick's and Profar. Victor Carantini. A little bit of an miss, guys, but I do like what they provide along with Manny Machado, but I take a look at the Arizona Diamondbacks bullpen. Yoan Lopez, Kevin Ginkle, guys like this. They're not terrific, but at the same time, they're able to hold down the fort. I do think that there should be some value here with the Diamondbacks. Pretty much anything above a plus 138 was going to be a take for me.
me, seeing some plus 140 out there. So we're going to be taking that plus price here with the Arizona Diamondbacks. When it comes to this total, I do think that you've got two young up-and-coming players that are going to be good pitchers for quite a while. Set this total at 8.2. I think we're sleeping on them both a little bit. So taking the under, and I'm going to be taking the plus price here with the Snakes. 9-11, 9-12 on the betting board. The San Francisco Giants are going to be playing against the Colorado Rockies. This is a New York Post play of the day as the total is 7 with the over any warp team, minus 110, minus 120, under any warp team, even a minus 110. If you're looking at the Giants, as between minus 130 and minus 140. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the plus price here with the Rockies, you're getting anywhere between plus 120 and plus 125. And for Mr. Omar Marquez, throughout his career and all but his rookie year in 2016, he's posted up a better ERA on the road than he has at home. And for his career, I believe it's like a point and a half lower ERA just in general on the road than at home. Meanwhile, you take a look at Alex Wood. He's come off the injured list and he's looked great in two starts. He's given up one home run and one walk in 12 innings, 0.75 ERA. And for Herman Marquez, this season he's been walking quite a few guys, 16 walks in 28 and two-thirds innings, but he's been able to do a good job of keeping the contact down, which is very superb of him. And for the San Francisco Giants, this is a lineup that they're not necessarily producing a lot right now. You take a look at them in general for the season. They're hitting as a collective about a 221. Now, the Rockies are hitting a 238, but a lot of that is due to the fact that they're at Coors Field. We were talking about splits with Jason Rydowitz. 1.6 runs per game on the road for the Rockies. That's by far the worst out there in the big leagues. Now, you do have a couple guys like Remy Tapia along with Trevor Story. They're able to get on base. Both of these guys hitting above a 285, but a combined five home runs for them. Ryan McMahon has seven home runs. He's been the man for the team but you take a look at Charlie Blackman, Josh Fuentes, Dom Nunez, Sam Hilliard, all guys hitting at 220 or lower. Meanwhile, for the Giants, it's been plus for Posey hitting at 327. Donovan Solano, whenever he's been out there, has been solid. And Tommy Sell is hitting at 225. Really pass that. Everyone else on the roster hitting below at 235 at this point. And I will say this for the San Francisco Giants. Bullpen has been much better this year. Reyes Monanta is currently on the injured list. And Matt Whistler, he's a little bit of a disaster, but... Jake McGee has looked very good for this team. You've also been able to get a little bit of something out of Jose Alvarez whenever you've needed him. Tyler Rogers is a guy that I do trust out there. And meanwhile, for the Colorado Rockies, I mean, the bullpen has not necessarily been terrible on the road. You've got a guy like a Daniel Bard that's solid. You don't want any part of Ulysses just seeing. He wanted pitching some long relief a couple days ago, so you should be not able to worry about that. Jordan Sheffield, Robert Stevenson, these are all guys that are relatively solid arms. You've got a pair of offenses that they just aren't necessarily doing a great job. I do like what I'm seeing out of both of these pitchers. So the New York Post play today is actually the total. I'm going to be taking it under. I want to say this total at 6.6. So getting an unjuiced 7. That is appealing to me. And in this spot, I did wind up saying the Giants as a relatively decent sized favorite myself. I felt like if I was able to get them at more like minus 115, that would be a take. But with now a plus 129 popping up as I do this podcast on the Colorado Rockies, it's just gotten a little bit too steep to be able to take the Giants in this spot. So the plus price here with the Rockies is going to be the take, along with the total under, which is the New York Post play of the day. 913-914 on the betting board. The Minnesota Twins have thrown to face off against the Cleveland Indians. Logan Allen is going to be going for the Windians. Meanwhile, J.A. Hapapare is going to be on the bump for the Minnesota Twins. Your total on this game, ZNF. Over Zane Wilbur. Minus 115 to minus 120. Under is anywhere between even a minus 105. If you're looking at the Minnesota Twins, anywhere between minus 130 and minus 118 is your price here. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Cleveland Indians, you're getting anywhere between plus 108 and plus 111. And with Logan Allen, certainly has been a little bit of a rocky ride for him, which is why I would need to be getting more like a plus 124 ish to be able to consider him. Now, the bullpen that he's backed up by is absolutely superb. Guys like Jake. Karen Check have been able to do a good job. Even Oliver Perez, who's up there in years, 
He's able to do his part for this team. List goes on and on, but for Webb, four home runs and six walks given up in 14 and a third innings across three starts, 6.80 ERA. And for Jay Happ, he's been doing a good job of being able to keep the ball down. One home run given up in 16 innings. Last season, he did a much better job of that as well, and you take a look at Jay Happ so far this season. In his last two starts, he's given up a combined two earned runs. So that has been very appealing. Now with the Minnesota Twins, Alex Colomay has not been the bullpen addition that they were hoping for. And so Robles has been pretty solid. Tyler Rogers is a guy that you're able to rely upon. Cody Sashik. Caleb Theobar, both of these guys have been a little bit rough, but with the Minnesota Twins, you know that this team is going to hit at some point. And Nelson Cruz, he has not stopped hitting. How about a 320 batting average, 7 home runs, 15 RBI going into yesterday, and then you got Byron Buxton, who has been absolutely amazing for the team, hitting above a 400. He's been able to supply the boom for this bunch. Luis Arias has been hitting nearly a 300. Josh Johnson a 333, but then you've got a massive fallout from there. Jake Cave, Mitch Garver, along with Alex Curry, Leoff, all these guys are hitting below a 200 now. And Dalton Simmons sitting right around a 300 now. He's back at the full, which is helpful. And for the Cleveland Indians, you have been able to get something now out of Jose Ramirez. Had a very slow start to the year. Now he's had a home run in back-to-back games. He, along frame, Mel Reyes, both have six home runs. And for Reyes, he's hitting nearly a 300. So that's helpful. You've got Josh Naylor, who's been nailing the ball as well. But Andres Jimenez, Roberto Perez, Jake Powers, Cesar Hernandez, all these guys are hitting a 200 or lower. So that's not necessarily helping out the team. And when you take a look at this one, I did wind up setting this total at 8.7. So this is a little bit more of a difficult one. At the 8 with minus 120 juice on the over, I just can't wind up taking that. If we wind up getting more like a minus 110, I would certainly be able to take that. Meanwhile, if you're getting like even money on an 8.5 and, and that's the best that you can get, I would actually advise the under in that spot and in this one as well with the Minnesota Twins. One lay up to minus 124 with them, seeing a bunch of minus 118, minus 120. That's appealing to me. So on the 8.5 with no juice on the under, we're going to be taking that and I'm going to be laying the price here with the Minnesota Twins. 9-15, 9-16 on the betting board. The New York Yankees hit the road face off against Baltimore Orioles. Currently no price on this game because we wound up having the Orioles starter announced late and that will be Dean Kremer. Meanwhile, Domingo Herman is going to be going for the New York Yankees. And for the Yankees, the offense hit an ultimate low point when they were unable at Matt Harvey on Monday. So... This is a team in which things are not going well for them to say the least. Aaron Judge has been able to hit for a little bit of average, but the power numbers have not necessarily been there for him. You just take a look at this team in general. It has been a hot mess. DJ LeMay, hitting right around a 250 to a 260 for this team along Gio Rochelle. So these guys have been able to do a little bit of something, but Glaber Torres, Aaron Nix, Clint Frazier, Ruin Adador, Giancarlo San. Gary Sanchez, all hitting at 225 or lower for this bunch. Meanwhile, the Orioles, they have been absolutely putrid on offense as well. Cedric Mullins hitting at 360, had a pair of home runs in that game on Monday. But then you take a look at DJ Stewart, Trey Boomo Mancini, Chancesco, Ryan Mountcastle, Rio Ruiz, and Pat Vileka. All these guys are hitting at 222 or lower. It's not good. Mikel Franco, along with the Austin Sayes kid, have been able to give you a little bit of something, but man... It is certainly a rough situation there, but the redeeming quality you have with the Baltimore Orioles, the bullpen has actually been solid. Trey Lincoln Sr. has been able to give you something. Cesar Valdez, Dylan Tate, Cole Solzer, Tanner Scott, all these guys are relatively solid. And for the Yankees, after they wound up having to use up quite a bit of their bullpen on Monday, got to figure that guys like Jonathan Luizaga, Chad Green, even someone like a Justin Wilson and Darren O'Day are going to be able to come out. They're going to be able to give you a little bit of something here. So with my initial numbers on this game, I do think 
that it's going to be an interesting one, but I'm willing to lay up to minus 158 here at, with the Yankees. So when you get to pretty much minus 160 or higher, that's when I'm going to be taking a little bit more of a look at the Orioles. And with this total, I set it at 9.3. So a 9 or lower, I'm going to be taking the over. At 9.5 or higher, going to be taking a look at the under. 9.17, on the big board. The Tampa Bay Rays are going to be playing on the Oakland A's. Cole Irvin is going to be going for the A's. Meanwhile, Tyler Glasnow is on the bump for the Rays. The Rays are finding themselves as favorites here. Anywhere between minus 155 and minus 165. Meanwhile, your plus price on the Oakland A's. Anywhere between plus 144 and plus 148. Your total is 7.5 with the under. Anywhere between minus 115 and minus 120 on the juice overs. Anywhere between even and minus 105 with Glasnow. He has been doing an absolutely superb job of being able to get swings and misses all year long. And for that matter, going back to last year, he was able to do an absolutely amazing job with that as well as he and Shane Bieber were leading the league with regards to strikeouts per nine innings. And for the Tampa Bay race, this is a team that dating back to last year is pretty much towards the top of the league when it comes to strikeouts on a per nine inning basis as for Glasgow. 46 punch outs at 30 and two thirds innings with nine walks and two home runs surrendered. So he's been good. Meanwhile, for Cole Irvin, he had a couple of really bad starts to begin the year. He's won each out of his last two, though. Someone with a 3.86 ERA, only three walks of 21 innings. He's backed up by a very good bullpen. With the Oakland A's, you do have quite a few guys I do like for this team. Lou Trevino, Yasmero Petit are two guys I really do like. Deolius Guerrero is someone that has been a little bit intermiss, but I do like Jake Diekman. And now they've got Mike Fires back on the roster as well, so they should be getting a little bit of relief with that regard as well. But you take a look at the Tampa Bay Rays lineup. It has been a little bit of a disaster, and that's putting it very politely. They were able to bust out with the bats a little bit yesterday, as both these teams were. But with that said, you just take a look at this race team. Brandon Lau, along with Austin Meadows, even someone like a Yoshi Satsugo, Brandon Phillips, all hitting a 225 or lower. Now, Kevin Kiermeyer has actually been very good for the team, hitting above a 275. Randy Rosarena, right around a 300. Joey Wendell's getting on base, but then you take a look at the Oakland A's. Matt Olson is hitting just below a 300. He's got good power numbers. Mark Hanna on base of right around a 400. Mitch Moreland has been picking it up as well, hitting nearly at 250. Now you've got a couple guys like an Elvis Andrews, Vimeo, Machin. These guys have not necessarily been too terrific, but by and large, you have been able to get a whole lot of something out of the Oakland A's, especially in this win streak, but I think that they might have just ran into Tyler Glasnow at just the wrong time, as I've got the Rays as a substantial favorite in this spot. I want to make them minus 164. If you're taking a look at the run line, by the way, with the Tampa Bay Rays in this spot, you're getting right around plus 125 to plus 130. I think that that's very appealing. I want to saying this more around plus 110, so I do like that. I'm going to lay the run and a half here with the Tampa Bay Rays because it seems like they score in bunches, and I did set this total at 7.7. I do think that the real Cole Irvin is going to show up, and the Rays are going to be able to exploit that, so I'm going to be taking this total over and the run line of the Tampa Bay Rays. 919-920 on the main board. The Texas Rangers are going to be playing on the LA Angels. Alex Cobb goes for the Angels. Dane Gitter Dunning is on the bump for the Rangers. Rangers find themselves as slight underdogs in the spot. Anywhere between plus 110 and plus 112. Meanwhile, if you're looking to lay it with the Angels, anywhere between minus 120 and minus 130 with your total on this game at 9. Unders, anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The overs, anywhere between even a minus 110. Right, take a look at the Angels. Certainly has been an interesting year for the team, and I felt like they should have been the underdog in this spot and not the favorite. I do recognize the fact that Going into yesterday, the Rangers were averaging right around 2.2 to 2.3 runs per game at home, but I do think that they're going to be able to pick it up a little bit, especially with Willie Calhoun coming back, hitting over a 300 for this team. That has been very good for them. 
What else has been very good for what you've been able to see out of this Texas Rangers team in general is Nick Solak. He's been able to do a nice job of being able to get on base. You also have a few other guys like a Isaiah Kinnear Falefa, a Dolias Garcia, gentlemen of this nature that are doing a solid job. And for Joey Gallo, not anything for average, but right around a 400-ish on base. Meanwhile, for the Angels, how about what you've been able to get out of the middle of the lineup? Albert Pools, Shoei Otani, Justin Upton, along with Mike Trout, all have at least five home runs. Along Jared Walsh, who's been in and out of the fold, he's actually got four home runs, but he's hitting a 319. Anthony Rendon wound up coming back yesterday as well. That is certainly going to be able to help out this offense, but you take a look at both of these offenses, they should be able to exploit bad bullpens because with the Angels, you do wind up having a couple guys that are relatively okay. C.C. Sheck has been able to do his job. You've also got someone like an Aaron Slagers and Tony Watson there. It's all about Ben Rowan, Chris Rodriguez. Oh, goodness, Rocio Iglesias. Not necessarily too terrific. And Taylor Hearn for the Rangers is a mess. Brett DeGeis is someone that is absolutely terrible. Hun Jun Young had to come in a couple of days ago for like four innings of long relief. That's how bad it's gotten for them. Julie Rodriguez, someone that I'm not necessarily trusting in as well. And for Alex Cobb, he was having a good start to his career out there with LA, and then he wound up getting just completely tattooed. The last time he wound up facing off against the Rangers, and you take a look at Dane Dunning. He, prior to his last start, had a 0.60 ERA, wound up getting lit up in that last start, but by and large, I do like this guy for his career. He's got an ERA that hovers right in the neighborhood of about a 3-6-ish. He has been someone that hasn't given up a lot of hard contact, only one home run given up in 17 and two-thirds innings. Same goes for Cobb, one home run given up in 14 and a third innings, and for Cobb, 21 strikeouts in 14 and a third innings. I do think that that is going to dry up a little bit. I think that the Rangers are going to be the ones to help start that process. So, this is a spot in which I felt like the Rangers Rangers should have been a favorite, so I'm certainly going to be taking them with the plus price with this total. I wanted setting it at 8.1 because I do think that Dane Dunning going to be able to get her Dunning, so under and the Rangers will play here. We move on to 921-922 on the bank board. The Seattle Mariners hit the road phase off against the Houston Astros. Zach Greinke goes for the Astros. Meanwhile, Justin Dunn is going to hope to get her done for the Seattle Mariners. Mariners are finding themselves anywhere between plus 175 and plus 192 underdogs. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Astros, anywhere between minus $2 and minus 210 is the price here. Dawn's game's 8.5 over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. For Granke, he has been able to do an absolutely supreme job for the team the last couple of years. Does a good job of not putting guys on cheaply due to walks. Now, strikeouts are something that is going into a bit of a swoon for him. Used to be a very good swing and miss guy so far this year. 22 strikeouts at 32 and two-thirds innings, but he certainly has been able to do his part. Meanwhile, for Justin Dunn, 11 walks given up in 14 and two-thirds innings, but he's been able to do a good job of being able to keep down the contact in general. And when you take a look at the Seattle Mariners, it's a team that, no question, they've got some very good bats and they've got some not-so-trustworthy bats. Kyle Lewis is right now hitting below a 200, but you got to figure that he's going to be able to pick it up at some points. Jorge Mamaloes, Tyler Trammell, along Tom Murphy, all guys hitting below a 200. J.P. Crawford has been a little bit consistent. And Mitch Henniger, how about him hitting at 280 with five home runs? Ty France has been saying wee-wee to above a 300 batting average. And you've also had Kyle Seager be able to give you a little bit of something as well. For the Houston Astros, you've now got your man Jose Altuve back in the fold. That is going to certainly help them out. He's been able to do a very good job after he wound up having a bad 2020 season ending above a 300. Michael Brantley, Alex Bregman, Jordan Alvarez, Yoli Gurriel all entered into yesterday hitting above a 300 as well. Now, Kyle Tucker is not necessarily hit for average, but he's hit for five home runs. Martin Maldonado, he's out there for his defense. He is bad 
has been completely useless. And when you take a look at the Houston Astros, the bullpen is a little bit suspect. Inoli Paredes, someone that I've really liked coming out of the bullpen. He's currently not with the team, which means that Ryan Stanek, Peter Solomon, even someone like a Brandon Bielak are guys that you're having to look to. And for the Mariners, the bullpen has actually been relatively solid. Will Best has been able to come in, and he's been able to give you some good innings. Drew Steckenrider. Keenan Middleton, Anthony Machevich, even Kendall Graveman. Yes, Kendall Graveman has been able to give you some solid innings. I do feel like we've went a little bit too far with regards to this price. Should the Mariners be an underdog in this spot? Most notably, absolutely. But, I mean, with that said, even though it is Zach Granke in this spot, I was only willing to lay about minus 183 here with Granke. Seeing north of plus 190 with the Seattle Mariners, I'm going to wind up taking that. I wind up saying this total at 8.1 because I do think that Don is going to be able to hold down the fort. He gives up quite a few walks, but he does a good job of limiting contact. So, taking this total under, and I'm going to take in the plus price here with the Seattle Mariners. 923-924 on the betting board. The Detroit Tigers hit the road to face off against the Chicago White Sox. Carlos Rodon is going to be going for the White Sox. Meanwhile, Casey Mize on the bump for the Tigres. Tigres are finding themselves as sizable underdogs here. Anywhere between plus 180 and plus 190. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the White Sox, anywhere between minus $2, minus $220. Total is anywhere between 8 and 8.5. On the 8, over is anywhere between minus 110 minus 120. Under is anywhere between even and minus 110. On the 8.5, under is minus 120. And the over is even. And with Carlos Rodon, we all know about is no hitter. And in this spot... I actually think you're getting value here with the White Sox. I wound up setting them as a minus 224 favorite. So we take a look at what the run line is providing us. Right around minus 105, I'm even seeing a minus 1 or 2 out there. That is something that I'm going to be taking. Pretty much getting just under even money on the Chicago White Sox on the run line. is something I do like. Casey Mice wound up having a couple nice starts to begin the year, but it seems like he's just a little bit raw at this point. Certainly has not necessarily been the best run of things for him as so far this season he's been posting up an ERA that is north of 5. The hard contact really is hurting him. 5 home runs given up in 20 and 2 thirds innings. He's only been able to get 14 punch outs, so that's been an issue. Meanwhile for Odon, 0-40-70 ERA, 24 strikeouts in 19 innings. He's backed up by a bullpen that I think is going to continue to improve. They've been towards the middle half of the league in terms of ERA so far this season, but Garrett Crochet Aaron Bummer, Liam Hendricks, all these guys are very solid. Even take a look at a guy like Jose Ruiz that I do like. And for the Tigers, dead last in the league with regards to bullpen ERA, and I don't think that it's going to be improving anytime soon. And the lineup in general is not good. You take a look at the starting lineup that they had yesterday. They had two guys hitting above a 222 for the season. Akil Badu and Jamir Candelario, and that's about it. Meanwhile, for the White Sox, Tim Anderson is hitting above a 300. Former batting champ, Yerma Mercedes, is hitting a 414. Now, I do recognize that Jose Abreu wound up getting off to a rough start to begin the year, but he seems to be picking it up. Now, you've got to think that Lurie Garcia, along with Jake Lamb, if you get anything out of Jake Lamb, they're going to pick it up along with Yasmani Grandel, but Nick Madrigal hitting above a 300. I think that everything just points to the Chicago White Sox in this spot. And with this total... I want him setting it in the north of 9 neighborhood. I want him setting it at 9.3. I do think that there's going to be a little bit of regression here for Carlos Rodon, but at the same time, I think that the White Sox, there's going to be progression with regards to their offense as well. So we're going to be taking the run line here of the White Sox and this total over 925-926 on the betting board is Royals versus Pirates. The home Pirates are going to be sending Mitch Thunder Keller to the mound. Meanwhile, Mike Miner hopes to be major for the Royals. Royals, a favorite of anywhere between minus 117 and minus 130. Meanwhile, your plus price here with Pittsburgh is anywhere between plus 108 and plus 112. Total on this game is 8. Over and under anywhere between minus 105 and minus 115. And with Mitch Keller, he wound up looking very solid in his last start. 
I just still need to see it to believe it when it comes to his command because he is someone that throughout his career is north of five blocks per nine innings. That has not been too stellar for him. And he is backed up by a bullpen that's actually good. Chris Trayton has given up a couple runs so far this season, but you take a look at a guy like a Kyle Crick, Richard Rodriguez, these guys have certainly been able to do their job. I can even take a look at someone coming out there like a Sam Howard. He's been able to do his job. Meanwhile, for the Kansas City Royals, they've been one of the better bullpens out there in the big leagues. Now, the level of competition has not necessarily been great, but Jake Brents is someone I like. Kyle Zimmer, Tyler Zuber, Josh Mount. list goes on and on of guys that you're able to trust in. And you're probably going to need to trust in a couple of these guys because Mike Miner, he has been all over the place so far this year. 21 and a third innings across his four starts. Seven walks, four home runs. He has been very, very lucky to get out of some of the jams that he has. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Pittsburgh Pirates and what you're going to be able to get out of the lineup. They have been missing quite a few guys for this team all season long. Cabrian Hayes has just been on the injured list, but how about Brian Reynolds, Adam Frazier? A pair of guys are in right around at 300 for the team. Phillip Evans has seen a little bit of regression with regards to his batting average, but Eric Gonzalez is hitting right around at 250. Colin Moran more in the neighborhood of 270. And then for the Kansas City Royals, you've been able to get a little bit of something out of Salvador Perez. He's been able to get quite a few home runs, has had some game-winning hits for the team. And so Alberto, you got to think that he's going to improve upon his 222 batting average. Nicky Lopez, along with Michael A. Taylor and Whit Mirafield are hitting above a 275. Ore Soler along with Carlos Santana are both guys that are not necessarily hitting very well with guards batting average, but for Santana right around at 350 on base, so he's been able to get the job done there. I do think that you're going to be able to get a relatively okay start here for Mike Miner and Really, I think that this is going to be a fate of Mitch Keller in this spot, which is why I've got the Royals as a pretty sizable favorite in this spot. If you're taking a look at a run line and you're feeling really frisky, only about plus 140. I was expecting it to be a little bit more valuable in this spot. It's certainly something that I would take, but I feel a little bit better with the money line in the spot rather than the run line. So I'm going to wind up laying it here with the Kansas City Royals and in this spot taking this total over as well. 927, 928 on the betting board. The Boston Red Sox hit the road to face off against the New York Metro. Metropolitans. One, Jacob DeGrom is going to be going for the Mets. Meanwhile, Nick Pavetta is on the bump for the Boston Red Sox. Your total on this game is 7. Under is anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. Over is anywhere between even and minus 110. If you're looking at the Mets, anywhere between minus 230 and minus 245 is your price here. Meanwhile, if you're taking a look at the Red Sox, between plus 203 and plus 210 is your number. And with the Red Sox, I'd be needing to get more like plus 240 to be able to consider them in this spot. If you're looking at the run line, you're able to get it as low as like a minus 105 as I'm seeing it right now. A lot of minus 110, a couple minus 105s on the New York Mets. That's the way that I'm going to be going on this one. I did wind up setting this all at 7.7, so I'm actually going to be taking this over because I do think that there's going to be regression with Nick Bavetta. He's been able to do a superb job of being able to keep his ERA down so far this year, but you take a look at him. He still has walks issues. 20 and two-thirds innings. He has given up 14 walks, and yeah, he's got a 348 ERA. I think that that's going to regress a little bit. Meanwhile, for DeGrom, 50 punch outs in 29 innings, 0-31 ERA. He's given up two home runs in 29 innings. He himself is hitting above a 400. So that is something that you have to fear if you're the Boston Red Sox. And you look at the Red Sox, they lead the league with regards to batting average and really pretty much every offensive category. J.D. Martinez, Xander Bogarts, both hitting above a 350. You've been able to get five home runs out of Rafael Devers. Kike Hernandez getting on base. Alex Verdugo's injured, but Bobby Dahlbeck starting to pick it up a little bit. Meanwhile, you take a look at the Metropolitans. Francisco Lindor, Michael Conforto, pair of guys are off to a rough start. Along Jeff McNeil, all these guys hitting below a 220, but J.D. Davis is hitting a 400. Brandon Nimmo, whenever he's been out there, has been great. Pete Alonso's giving you a little bit of something as well, so you do have to like to see that now. With the Mets, you always have to fear that bullpen. Drew Sitch Familia 
is Spanish for blown save, ladies and gentlemen. Robbie Gazelman, not good. Miguel Castro, someone I still don't trust. And Edwin Diaz has been someone that's been relatively rock solid so far this season. But you never know when bad Edwin Diaz is going to show up. And for the Boston Red Sox, I feel like their bullpen is pitching above their heads as well. You've got guys like Darwins and Hernandez, Austin Bryce, Matt Barnes, Josh Taylor giving you significant innings. And that's not a place where you necessarily want to be, which is why I am going to be taking the run line here of the Mets. I think that Grom is going to be masterful once again. I think regression comes in for Nick Bavetta, which is why I'm also on this total over. And we're going to wrap things up with 929-930 on the betting board. The Toronto AK Dunedin Blue Jays going to be playing also the Washington Nationals. Eric Fetty Wap goes for the Nats. Meanwhile, Steven Metz is on the bump for Toronto. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Nationals, you're going to be getting anywhere between plus 150 and plus 155. Seeing a plus 144 out there as well. Meanwhile, if you're looking at the Blue Jays, you're going to be finding them anywhere between minus 155 and minus 168. Your total on this game ranging between 9 and 9.5. On the 9.5, unders anywhere between minus 120 and minus 125. Overs anywhere between even and plus 105. If you're looking at the 9, overs anywhere between minus 110 and minus 120. The unders anywhere between even a minus 110. When I take a look at Eric Fetty Wap, it's hard to really have any faith in this guy because he is someone that he's been doing a relatively okay job of giving you right around five innings per start. And so far this year, he has really been hurt by the fact that he's been walking quite a few guys. Eight walks in 16 and a third innings, only one home run issue, but you got to fear that he's going to be out of this game early. And for the Nationals, they have been able to upgrade their bullpen a little bit. You want to be having Max Scherzer on the mound yesterday, so that always helps, but you're going to have to rely upon someone like a Steven Fuentes, Kyle Finnegan. Now, you do have Danny Hudson along with Brad Hand out there in the bullpen as well, but still is a little bit of a recipe situation. And for the Blue Jays, this is a team that they rank in the top three in the big leagues with regards to bullpen. NRA, Jordan Romano, other than a game a couple days ago, has been relatively solid. Joel Payampas has been able to do a great job. Rafael Dolis has been able to give you solid innings. Tyler Chadwood is a guy that they've turned into a good bullpen arm as well. And though George Springer did not wind up returning yesterday, seems like he, along to Oscar Hernandez, if they don't wind up returning for this game, they are relatively close. And Joe Panic hitting a 280 for this team. Vlagero Jr., a over 450 on base. He has been tremendous. Now, Kevon Biggio, Rowdy Tellez are two guys that really need to pick it up. And with regards to a batting average standpoint, Marcus Simeon does as well, but he's been able to provide some power, so that's been solid. Boba Shett hitting a 250. We all know what he's capable of. And in this spot with Washington Nationals, it's really tough to look at them because Josh Bell is hitting like a buck 15 for the team. Sterling Castro has been able to do a relatively solid job of getting on base. And you take a look at the team in general. Ryan Zimmerman, Trey Turner down for what? Yadiel Hernandez at the top. All these guys are hitting above a 270. They just have nobody to be able to drive them in because Juan Soto is currently out and Josh Bell and Kyle Schwarber officially stink. So there is that aspect of it. I take a look at the spot. I'm going to lay up to minus 155 here with the Blue Jays because for Steven Matz, after he wound up having a bad year last year, 969 ERA. He's got a new lease on life. 231 ERA. He's given up just two home runs, 25 punch outs so far this year. I really like what I'm seeing there. And if you're looking at a run line here with the Toronto, aka Dunedin Blue Jays, and we're between plus 110 and plus 115. I needed at least plus 105 to take a shot here, so the plus 115, that does appeal to me. And with this total, I want to sitting at 9.8 personally, so we're going to be taking this total over, and I'm going to be taking the run line here of the Toronto AK Dunedin Blue Jays, and that will wrap things up for the Baseball Betting Podcast on this wonderful Wednesday. A big thanks to our good buddy Jason Radowitz of SBREK Sportsbook Review for joining me in the last segment. 
If you like what you're hearing from this fine podcast, the Baseball Betting Podcast with Greg Peterson, you're able to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, and TuneIn. You've got one of two ways to be able to find your questions if you have them for this podcast. My Twitter timeline, at JarenSquarty1. Keep in mind, the letters M, they mean does not matter. Otherwise, find an Apple Podcast review. If you rate this podcast five stars, it is very much appreciated. Then from there, you're able to send your questions, comments, segment ideas, what have you. Always appreciate talking at you guys. I will be doing so every single day throughout the MLB season, which means I'll be back at you guys once again tomorrow. Thank you so much for tuning in.